13 Days of Halloween is a production of iHeartRadio, Blumhouse Television, and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. Headphones recommended. Listener discretion advised. Greetings, friend. My deepest apologies for startling you. I wanted to get the measure of you before you knew I was looking. You can tell a lot about a body when that body doesn't know it's being studied, yes? Yes, of course you can. (laughs) At any rate, come. I hope that your journey wasn't too arduous. The weather here can be rather unforgiving this time of year. Though, truth be told, I was never worried about you finding your way. As they say here, (laughs) all roads lead to the manor. No matter where you roam, you will find this to be true. This, my friend, is Hawthorne Manor. I am its caretaker. The caretaker, if you wish. Impressive, is it not? Ah, I know that look well, my friend. You cannot fully understand what it is that you are beholding. It's quite natural. Hawthorne Manor is something of an architectural anomaly. Though austere, even savagely so at first glance, you cannot help but notice the quiet whimsy that seems to permeate the structure. Why, the cupola there, at the apex of the main wing, the the, the dome thing, on the roof with all the windows. You see it. It was said to have been constructed specifically for the daughter of the architect. At first as a playroom, and then later as her own infirmary. Some have reported seeing a shade pass the windows late at night, back and forth, impatient with solitude. At any rate, because of the strange blend of architectural styles that this massive house possesses, it has the quality of feeling both timeless and as standing outside of time. Many say that the architect was a madman, but there was method to it. All of it. Shall we? Abandon all hope, ye who enter here! Just kidding. Welcome home, my friend. This place was built to last beyond its architect. And so it has. It may seem disorienting at first glance. Filled with strange twists and turns. Ceilings too high here, too low there. (laughs) Some rooms cavernous. Some claustrophobic. This is by design. Some prefer grand halls, others quiet nooks. The architect manifested this place as a refuge for all. This has been way station for countless weary souls, a home for those without destination. In time, you too will find it familiar. 
You will notice that this elevator is not part of the original structure, but yet still oh so vintage. <laughs> now, before we continue, and if I may be so bold, I'd like for you to meet one of our other guests. Any objections? I shall take your enigmatic silence as an affirmative. Before your arrival, Soren was our resident neophyte. He's proven reluctant to indulge in the hotel's more extravagant offerings. I don't know if it is inherent shyness or... Well, perhaps your attentive demeanor is just what he needs to come out of his shell. Oh, yes, you two will become fast friends. I can feel it. Before we enter, I must warn you, Soren is rather guarded. Trust issues. It's honestly no wonder after what he's been through. But I do imagine that he'll explain it all. I can't wait for you two to meet. Soren, my dear, I present you to our latest guest. Oh, dear. <laughs> all this chattering and I haven't caught your name. Oh, you don't have one. <laughs> no matter. <laughs> My friend, meet Soren. I shall return after you two have become acquainted. Au bientôt. He said they harvest at night. He said he'd figured it out. We could go about our business in the day, could still walk in the sun, could keep on, and besides, the authorities had it covered to be on the safe side. He said he'd been preparing. <laughs> that wasn't surprising. Dad was always kind of a prepper. He and Mom had this massive garden in the back, and had kept it for years. The shelves in the pantry were a rainbow of summer colors, caught and sealed in glass jars in case of a race war or pandemic or whatever else the TV warned them of. They had a freezer filled with meat, chickens they raised and plucked, half a cow they bought from some service online and a generator to keep it all frozen solid should the power grid fail. <laughs> I asked Mom one time how long they could hold out in case of the apocalypse, and without pause, she said, I could feed 12 people for eight months before we had to start eating the freeze-dried stuff. <laughs> She'd done the math. <laughs> and then she told me the freeze-dried stuff would last another four months. So a year, I said. <laughs> what happens at the end of a year? And she shrugged. Well, let's hope it doesn't ever come to that. Dad had guns. Lots of guns. All kinds and calibers. I mean, that's why I was there. After all, I didn't have one of my own, and my roommates had headed back to their own parents to deal with the disturbance <laughs> on their own terms. I wanted to stay on at the apartment. The only thing worse than dealing with global emergencies alone would be dealing with them with Dad knowingly glancing over at me every time a news story told me that I was wrong and he was right. <laughs> they hated that I didn't want to come home, but 
quit bugging me about it when I finally agreed to stop by and pick up a gun. <coughs> he looked terrible. The front yard was overgrown. The grass was long and the holly bushes were shaggy. Dad matched, unshaven, hair unkempt, stained sweatpants, an old undershirt, and say it was clear he hadn't showered. But his eyes were still sharp. They darted around outside before he pulled me in. Inside was a wreck. They never let the house be a wreck before, but I looked around at the kitchen. The open jars and cans, the flies over the dirty dishes in the sink, and the litter and grit everywhere, and I just said, Jesus, Jesus, quietly, over and over, as Dad stood nearby, looking at me up and down. Where's Mom? I asked. And he said, She's sleeping. All she seems to do these days is sleep. And when I asked if her depression was back, he just sort of shrugged. I promised myself that before I left, I'd make sure that she was still taking her medication. I didn't want her to get as bad as she'd gotten when I was in the eighth grade and couldn't get out of bed for weeks at a time, but I wanted to deal with the business at hand first. So I said, can we look at the guns? And he just looked back at me, confused, as if he'd never heard the word before. The guns. I said, and he snapped too. Oh, yes. Yes, the guns. <laughs> the guns, he said, almost wistfully. And then he said, I want to show you something first. <laughs> Growing up, we had this great backyard. We used to have kids from all over the neighborhood. We played touch football or these huge games of freeze tag, barbecues in the summer. And after 9-11, when they started watching the network, which told them all the damn time that people were coming to get them, they want to convert your kids and they want to steal our money and wreck our culture, whoever the hell the enemy of the week was. That's when they started planting the garden. The first summer, it was small, only really took up a corner of the yard, but every year it grew larger and larger. Tomatoes and okra and squash, cucumbers and greens and green beans and onions and peppers, all of them diligently pulled from the earth and canned and jarred and jellied. By the time I graduated, there was nothing left of the lawn, just... Vegetables and space to store vegetables. It was their obsession. Be prepped when they came. Whoever they were. <laughs> I mean, I guess in a sense they were right. <laughs> anyway, Dad wanted me to see a thing. So we walked through the messy house toward the back door. That's when he said, They harvest at night. When I didn't say anything, he went on. We can go about our business during the day, but at night they harvest. So that's when you want to stay safe indoors. All your know-it-all friends think that they're immortal, think that they can go wherever they want, whenever they want. But I'm telling you, they harvest at night, so don't go out then. I said, okay. We'd stopped by the back door, and he turned and 
looked me in the eye and got real close to my face and said, Good. His breath was rancid, and I told him so. But he just smiled and turned and opened the back door. The garden was destroyed. What hadn't been ripped up or rotted was going to seed. Jesus, Dad, I said again. What the hell happened with you two? But he didn't answer, just sort of plodded forward in his dirty sweats right through the patch where the greens used to be. I followed him. He didn't turn around, but he said just loudly enough for me to hear, you can't trust anyone. They'll come knocking, and they'll make their voices sweet and warm, and they'll sound like the girl you liked when you were a kid or your dead grandmother, and you'll be tempted to open the door. But that's how they get you, begging and pleading and saying the sweetest things you can imagine to get you out into the night. I hadn't really heard any of this. I certainly hadn't experienced it myself, and none of my friends had had a run-in yet, so I asked where he'd heard it, and had it been on his program, because they weren't always, um, trustworthy. But he didn't answer me. He just stopped in place toward the back of the garden, where there was a massive pile of fresh dirt, and next to it, a massive hole in the ground, with earthen steps leading down into the darkness... I was gobsmacked. That's the word I thought of at the time, and I think it's the best one to use even now. I said, Jesus, again, a habit by now, and then asked if he'd been building a bunker. He turned and smiled and nodded so proud of himself, and then, like he just remembered, he said, it's where the guns are. And then he started down the earthen stairs into the hole, and I followed him down. It was damp down there. And even though the walls had been tamped so tightly that they looked as smooth as concrete, I could feel the moisture they seemed to breathe. It smelled like dirt and worms and decay, and it went so far back the sun didn't seem to reach. Dad just walked on in, no flashlight, and when I paused to let my eyes adjust, he chuckled at me. It's fine, he said. They only harvest at night. They lure you in with their sweet song and with promises, and then they prick you and their venom freezes you, and then they harvest, but they only harvest at night. My eyes had started to adjust to the dark, and I could see his figure there next to the smaller indentations in the wall, like little cubby holes filled with jar after jar after jar from Mom's pantry. How long did it take you to do this? I asked. And I could see a shrug in response. He beckoned me further in. And as I followed, I glanced at the dark shapes swirling in the jars. The guns are right over there, he said. And he pointed to a freshly dug cubby in the very back and said, Take your pick. So I walked past him and leaned in toward the cubby, which was just a couple of feet wide. But I couldn't see anything. When I was turning to say so, I felt the prick on the back of my neck. He yelped in surprise and turned, but before I could get my bearings, my legs collapsed behind me. Numb. Dad was standing over me, his silhouette seeming huge in the dim light all of a sudden. They sound like someone you trust, 
he said, leaning down. And his breath smelled of earth and worms and decay, too. And his eyes, I could see them flash in the dark like a cat's eyes as he lifted a finger with a long nail on it. When they came for your mother, they sounded like her sister. I couldn't feel my arms now. And the warmth and numbness was spreading up into my jaw and scalp, and I wanted to close my eyes, but I couldn't. I just kept staring at his figure as it seemed to slowly shift in the dim light. When they came for your father, they sounded like you. And he turned out toward the dim light of the entrance far behind him. As I fought the urge to sleep, my gaze drifted, and for a moment, I looked into my mother's eyes as they floated in a jar on a nearby shelf. She said, You should relax. The evening is still a few hours away. And we only harvest at night. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Just knew you two would get along swimmingly. Oh, now, come with me. Soren, we'll catch up with you later, dear heart. <laughs> he is a truly sweet young man. I've been attempting to persuade him to see the good doctor about his cough, but he'll have none of it. Maybe you could be of service in that department. He really seemed to like you. Now, there are hundreds of rooms here at the Hawthorne, but this 
is perhaps the very finest. And it just so happens to be your waters. Was it luck or fate that placed you here? We'll never know. I trust that you'll find everything to your liking. And if you don't, notify me and I will make sure it is rectified. It's all part of my role here as the caretaker. You know, your lack of verbal reciprocation is really breaking down my sense of boundaries. I can trust you, right? Of course I can. In these coming days, you may notice that Hawthorne Manor has no shortage of oddities. I've witnessed things myself that strain belief. But there is one strange legend that has truly become something of an obsession. Supposedly, somewhere within these halls, there is a hidden doorway. If the tale of what lurks on the other side is to be believed, then gaining access would mean a sort of ascension beyond human imagination. True immortality. I have come to understand that one of our guests knows how to locate and open this door. Perhaps what they cannot say to me, they will happily divulge to you. I have a feeling your quiet fortitude will lure them into a sense of intimacy. <laughs> it has certainly worked on me. <laughs> Please make yourself at home. After all, this is it. There are so many others I cannot wait for you to meet. Very well. Until tomorrow. On behalf of Hawthorne Manor, adieu, my friend. Thirteen Days of Halloween was created by Matt Frederick and Alex Williams and executive produced by Aaron Mankey, starring Keegan-Michael Key as The Caretaker. Today's story was written and performed by Nicholas Tukoski and directed by Matt Frederick, with editing and sound design by Alex Williams. Only twelve days remain. Tomorrow, another story. He started sleeping with that thing on, lighting up our bedroom... It didn't bother me at first, but after about a week, I woke up in the middle of the night to go pee, and I found him there, curled up on the floor, nestled up against the wall in the glow of that nightlight. And it just got worse from there. He insisted on sleeping with all the overhead lights on, too. Kept the closet doors open all the time, taped the windows up to get the nighttime out, and I thought he was crazy. I really did problem was, he wasn't crazy enough. 13 Days of Halloween is a production of iHeartRadio, Blumhouse Television, and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And learn more about 13 Days of Halloween at GrimAndMild.com. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 